So I want to um, encourage you guys that you should be bringing your Bibles every week. Um, you know, if you don't have one, man, let me know tonight before you go into small group, okay? Before you go into small group, I mean, if you don't own a Bible, let me know before you go into small group, I will give you a Bible, all right? We've got plenty of them. You need to own a Bible. You need to be able to get into God's Word uh, on your own. And I know, uh, how many of you guys uh, don't use your, like, paper Bible because on your phone or on your tablet you have the Bible app, the Uversion app? How many of you guys have that? Okay, a few of us. That is an awesome tool, all right? I love it. I use it all the time. But nothing, all right, can replace getting into your very own Bible, okay? And what's really cool about a Bible is you can't write on an app, all right? You can't make notes in the Uversion app where you can go back and see years of progress, the things that God's teaching you, right? But in your Bible that's made out of paper, you can make notes about what God is teaching you. Uh, you can underline things. You can be like, yeah, this is amazing, you know? It's a relationship, all right? I want you guys to think about owning your Bible as if it's a relationship that you're in, okay? Not a weird one. You're not like dating your Bible or anything, okay? But seriously, this is God's word, and I want you guys to treat it as if it's something that you're in a relationship with. This is the way God, one of the very best ways God speaks to us, all right? So you guys need to be in your Bibles every day, opening up your Bible, reading a chapter a day or two chapters or one verse a day or whatever it is, but getting into God's word and knowing what he's saying to you. And it's especially important that you brought your Bible for this series that we're starting tonight that we're calling Rain, A Journey Through Exodus, all right? And so for the next, Colin, what is it, six weeks or so, uh, we're going to be going all the way through the book of Exodus. And tonight, if you grab your outline, you'll see that we're going to be tackling Exodus chapters one through four, okay? So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Exodus chapter one and then maybe just like put your finger in there or whatever so that you know where we're going to be, okay? Um, but we're really excited about this. We're really excited about this series because we're going to be going through the entire book of Exodus and the entire book of Exodus speaks so much to us. And what you're going to notice as we go through the book of Exodus is that there's this group of people, the Israelites, God's people, right? And they had many, 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 many opportunities to let God take the place as king in their life. That's why we're calling this series reign because it's, that's what a king does. A king reigns, all right? The word reign, we don't really use it anymore, but basically what it means is to be in charge of, all right? Okay? So the Israelites had many, many, many opportunities to let God reign as king in their life. And what you're going to notice is through this whole book is that there were some times that they got it right. They did a great job. And there are other times that, man, they messed it up. They had their eyes on God for a while, and then they took their eyes off of him, and they started to wander, and they started to lose focus, and things started to go poorly for them. And you're going to, as we go through this, you're going to find yourself being like, these Israelites are so stupid. What is wrong with them? They make mistake after mistake after mistake, taking them away from God, who's just trying to make it easy and have a relationship with them. And then, as you're sitting there thinking, man, what's wrong with these guys? They're morons. It's going to start to dawn on you 
that we do the same thing. See, there are plenty of times in our life where we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus as the king of our life, and then all of a sudden, we pull our focus somewhere else. We start to worry about other things. We start to worry about that boy or that girl in our class or that video game or our homework or that sport or whatever it is. We start to make something else the king of our life. So, tonight, we're going to be starting out at the beginning of Exodus. How many of you guys... This is going to be one of your discussion questions in small group, but I want to ask it right now. Have any of you ever, like, someone told you to do something and didn't give you any instruction, and you're like, I don't know how to do that. Has anybody, has anybody, and you felt like, I literally have no clue what you're talking about. Okay, for me, that was every single day of math from seventh grade till the day I graduated high school, all right? The thing is, the teacher is trying to tell me stuff, and I'm like, X is doing what now? I don't know what you're talking about, teach, right? Y equals KX. That, those are letters. And that's what I'm saying, where I'm like, I wanted to raise my hand and be like, uh, teacher, I think you mean to be using numbers. Those are letters. This is an English class, all right? All right? <sighs> yeah, I know, Okay. So does anybody have an example other than math class? Anybody? Yeah, what? Slow down, because I didn't understand half of what you just said. Let me tell you what I just heard. Well, my favorite Redstone YouTuber was doing a tutorial. How much of that? Okay, slow down. Take it from the top. What is Redstone? That's the part that's confusing me. Okay, your favorite Minecraft Redstone YouTuber was doing a tutorial, and you were completely lost. All right, I just wanted one. All right, we can't spend all we can't spend all night on it. Like I said, you guys, that's going to be one of your questions when you get into small group. So you guys can share those stories when you get into small group. Go ahead and put your hands down. All right. So I was thinking about this and I was trying to think, what's, what's one thing that happened to me where like somebody told me to do something and I literally had no idea where to begin? And, um, you know, I'm sure it happens to us a lot, but uh, a story uh, popped up in my mind um, uh, when before I worked at the church, um, when I, uh, a couple years after I graduated high school, right before I got married and then while uh, my wife and I were first married, I worked for a lawn care company called Weed Man. Go ahead and laugh. Weed man. I, listen, listen. I was the weed man. Okay? Okay? I get the joke. I had to deal with it every day. People would drive by and honk, Hey, weed man! And I'm like, yeah, I see you, okay? So listen, I had this big old truck that I drove as part of my job, right? It had a big spray tank on the back. I spread fertilizer. So I, it's this big old F-350 super, like, big heavy truck, heavy-duty truck, right? All right? And uh, one day, um, the truck started, the battery started, shh, the, the battery started dying a lot, 
Okay, and, and so we realized that the alternator in the truck was bad. That's what I said. So I get in one morning, and my truck won't start, and I call my boss, John, who was still at home watching SportsCenter, and I said, John, the truck's not starting, and he says, yeah, it's probably the alternator, and I said, great, I'm going to need you to call a tow company to take the truck to the auto shop so that they can replace the alternator. Because I don't know what that does, or where it is, what it looks like, or how to change it. And he goes, no, you're fine. Take, you know, I, at the time I drove my little blue truck, he's like, just take your own truck, go to the auto parts store, buy an alternator, and change it. And I said, John, I don't know how to change an alternator. And he said, you'll figure it out, and hung up. No. <laughs> so, huh? Listen, Adriana, great question. So the very next thing I did was, Dad, uh, what's an alternator? <laughs> and then with the help of my dad and YouTube, I was able to figure it out. Yes, there was YouTube then. I'm not 80. All right. I'm, not, I'm actually not a boomer. Okay. Listen, listen. But I experienced what it feels like to be told to do something and feel completely lost, ill-equipped, and like I had no idea what to do. Like I wasn't going to be able to do it, but someone called me and said, you need to do it. All right? And I figured it out. So, similar to that, minus all the car stuff, in our story today from Exodus, we're going to start by talking about a guy named Moses. How many of you guys have heard of Moses before? All right? Hey guys, just raise your hands and shut your mouths, all right? Okay? Because now is a good time, we, we need to be quiet, okay? So, uh, somebody, Zeke, your hand's already up. Tell me one thing that you know about Moses. Just real quick. When you hear the name Moses, what do you think of? Okay, what else? He parted the Red Sea, exactly, okay. Uh, Jonathan. Okay, can you think of another one? Yeah, he had a staff, maybe white hair right here. The burning bush, good. The dummy pharaoh, yeah. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to get into some of that stuff today, and then we're going to continue with more of it next week and for the next few weeks. But like I said, we're going to start this week in Exodus chapters 1 through 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to summarize it for you, okay? If you brought your Bible, you can kind of follow along. What happens in Exodus chapter 1 is basically a recap bringing us up to date from the end of Genesis, okay? The book Genesis, we see... Joseph, the guy with the coat whose brothers sold him into slavery, end up to actually become like one of the governors of Egypt. He gets elevated to a very high status in Egypt. He brings his brothers and dad to Egypt because there was a famine in the land that they lived in. And in doing so, that's where the Israelites get started, right? With Joseph, 
and his brothers. Those are the tribes of Israel. And the Israelites, uh, they start to, what's the word I'm looking for, Colin? Not expand. You know, they have a lot of babies, okay? They got a lot of babies and then babies having babies and they got, yeah, reproduce, sure, whatever. Multiply. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. So the Israelites begin to multiply and they're living in Egypt and it's all gravy because Joseph is like the guy in charge there. He's keeping them safe and then Joseph dies and that's where we, what we see in Exodus chapter 1. Joseph dies and a new Pharaoh takes over and he starts to feel jealous and realize that the Israelites, there's more Israelites in Egypt than Egyptians. And he starts to feel threatened. And so he enslaves the Israelites and makes them work and treats them like slaves, but they still keep multiplying. And he realizes that if they were to get tired of being slaves and were to rise up against him, they could defeat them and take over. And so what this Pharaoh does is that he makes a decree, kill all the baby boys, every Israelite baby boy, and that's what they did. Anytime an Israelite boy was born, they killed it. Threw it in the Nile River, fed it to the crocodiles, whatever. Okay? Except there's this one mom who has a baby son, and she just can't stand to let her son be killed. So she actually hides him. You guys might know this part of the story. She makes a basket because she knew he was going to be it would be impossible to keep him hidden in her home. So she makes a basket and actually puts him in the river and floats him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby. It's Pharaoh's daughter. Okay? And they actually bring this little baby into Pharaoh's household. And he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And that baby was named Moses. So Moses was an Israelite raised by the guy that was in charge of Egypt and his family. So Moses is in kind of like a weird position where he's an Israelite, but he kind of has to like, he, can't, he doesn't hang out with the other Israelites. He's probably treated like a royal. And one day after he's grown up a little bit, he's walking around and he sees an Egyptian officer treating an Israelite slave poorly. Here's one thing you guys might not know about Moses. Moses was a murderer. What Moses did was he took that Egyptian officer and he killed him and buried him in the sand. And then the next day, he saw two Israelites arguing and he went up and told them to stop. And basically what they said to Moses was, what, are you going to kill us too? And he realized that people knew that he had murdered someone. So Moses gets scared because he didn't want to get in trouble for murder. So he runs into the wilderness where he's kind of hiding and living his life and he's growing and getting older and older. And then fast forward to chapter 3 in Exodus where Moses is, I think he's like taking some sheep to feed him or something like that. But anyways, he's kind of up on this mountain and he sees the, anybody know? Burning bush. There's a bush that's on fire. And Moses exclaims to himself, that bush is on fire! He probably didn't say it like that. But he says that, that bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. And he approaches the bush to get a closer look because... I mean, if you guys saw a bush on fire, but it, it stayed green and just like, it was like the bush was completely alive, but also completely on fire, that would be bizarre, right? Because what happens to something that burns? It burns up, right? 
So as Moses is approaching the bush, he gets closer, and a voice from out of the bush says, Moses, Moses! And Moses says, here I am. This is in verse 4 and now 5. And, and the voice says, do not come closer, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Take off your sandals. Moses the murderer was called by God to come and commune with him, to be in relationship and have a conversation with God. A murderer was called to have a relationship with God. And God goes on to tell Moses, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people, the Israelites in Egypt. Their cries have reached my ears, and I'm going to send you to rescue them. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Many of you guys know the story, you know, we'll get into it next week when Moses actually confronts Pharaoh and like Charlton Heston, you let my people go, okay, right? That's what God says to Moses. That's what you're going to say, shh, that's what you're going to say to the Pharaoh. And Moses says, why me? I'm not good enough. God, send someone else. And God says, no, I've chosen you, and I'm going to be with you. And Moses has excuse after excuse after excuse of why he shouldn't be the one to go. But God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, it says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I just had to get it out. It was stuck in there. Listen, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. See, Moses most likely had some form of a lisp or speech impediment. Moses is saying, in this group project, I'm not the speaker. I'm not the one that stands in front of the class. But God says, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. See, Moses has this excuse. I don't know what to say. I don't talk so good. And God says, Moses, don't be so short-sighted. I created your mouth, and I'm calling you to use it. I'm going to be with you. See, the first thing that we need to realize, guys, is because God called Moses to do something great. But God didn't just call Moses. God calls each and every one of us. There's a call on your life. God has a plan for you. There is something that he wants you to do that only you can do. And so many times we say, God, I'm not the one. And he says, I made you to be the one. And I'm going to be with you. See, when we feel nervous and we know maybe we should invite our friends to church, but then we think, I don't know what to say. How many of you guys, that would be your excuse? If we were to be like, hey, invite your friends to church. Talk to your friends about the Bible. Our response is typically, I don't know what to say. 
I wouldn't even know where to start. That's the same response Moses had. Moses didn't feel like he knew what to do. Moses felt like he didn't know how to change the alternator. Does that make sense? But God said, I'm going to walk you through it. So write this in, guys. The first point that we need to remember about Moses and about ourselves, remember you have a call on your life that only you can live. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Fill that in. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And what that means is that God's not looking around just looking for the people that are perfect, that are ready. See, if God was waiting for Moses to be ready to go confront Pharaoh, he would have been waiting forever because Moses was never going to feel ready. God's not looking for the people that have just the right skill set, just the right tools in their toolbox. He says, no, I have those tools. I have the skill set. So the next time God calls you to do something and you feel like, I'm not prepared for that, remember, God says, I'm preparing you. I'll make you ready. You can fill this in as like a sub-point. He has all the tools we need to be successful. He has all the tools we need to be successful. See, Moses felt like he wasn't good at talking and, and he, he pleads with God. And in fact, I want you guys to this week read Exodus chapters 1 through 4 because there's so much stuff in this that we just don't have time to get into everything. But Moses has all of these excuses and God does really cool things like, hey Moses, see your walking stick, your staff that you have in your hand? Throw that on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And God says, grab it by the tail. And he grabs it by the tail and it turns back into his walking stick. Moses says, but what if, what if they still don't listen to me? And God says, Moses, put your hand in your robe. Now pull it out. And when Moses pulls his hand out of his robe, it's covered in leprosy, a disease. And God says, Moses, put your hand back in your robe. And he does. And he says, now take it out. And his hand is completely healed. Every time Moses had an excuse or tried to say, but God, I don't, I can't, God says, I can't. You get that? God had all the tools. In fact, when Moses says, I don't talk so good, God says, that's okay. I've created you and I've called you and I'm going to allow you to take your brother Aaron with you. I'm going to speak through you, Moses. I have what you need to be successful. See, guys, calling is something that God has for every single one of us. A calling on our lives, right? But I used to think that God had a call on my life, you know, like I'd hear my youth pastor, my youth leaders talk about this, like, what, what's your call? What's God's call for you? And I used to think that what that meant was, and how many of you would agree, maybe you feel this way sometimes when we talk about God's calling on your life, that what we're actually saying is, what's the career God has for you? Does anybody kind of feel that way? Like, when we say, what's God's call on your life? I used to think what that actually meant was, like, what's, what's going to happen in your future? What job does God want you to have? 
What career path does God want you to be on? But that's not what calling means. Because if that's what calling means, it's all about us. And that's, that's, how, that's how I used to think about calling. That this is God's, like, this is just God's, like, plan for my life. This is what my life's going to be like. I'm going to be a marine biologist, be married, and have three kids and a dog and, you know. But that's not what God's calling means. See, he's calling us not to design a comfortable life for ourselves, but he's calling us to be used by him to save others. See, God calls us, you can fill this in, to be used by him to save others. God's not calling us to have a job. We need a job to buy food and clothes and a house, right? But God's not calling us to a career or a vocation. God's calling us to surrender ourselves to be used by him so that other people can be saved. See, God said, Moses, I'm going to send you not because I want you to go be a good speaker. He says, Moses, I'm sending you because I've heard the cries of my people and I want to rescue them through you. God calls us to be used by him to save others and so that God can be glorified so that other people can come to know him. You understand? God's call on your life is not to work at a bank or to work at Target or to work at a church. God's call is for you to love God and love others. God's gifted us in ways at times that we use as part of our job. If you're musically talented, you can use that to be a worship leader or be a part of a worship team. If you're good at talking and telling jokes, maybe you become a teacher, a speaker, or whatever. If you're a good writer, you can write things to, and to help people learn about God. But it doesn't have to be your job. Whatever it is can be used to point people back to Jesus. See, I think it's important that you guys understand that everyone has a call on their life, not just pastors, not just people that work at churches, right? It's not like God had this special plan for me and to, to be in ministry, you have to get paid. Guess what? There are people who work at banks that are just as much in ministry as I am. I just work here. But if I worked somewhere else as a farmer, God's still calling me to minister to other people. There's people that own restaurants and coffee shops, and they use those as a way to minister to other people. How many of you guys have been to Cup of Joy, the coffee shop? That's a ministry. You understand? They use that as a way to minister to people. God's calling us to be used by him to save other people. Exodus 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the e Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. God says, Moses, I'm using you to save my people. And God wants you to be used by him to save his people that don't know him. The next thing you guys can fill in is that God calls us into holiness despite our past. God calls us into holiness despite our past. 
How many of you have sinned? Everybody, okay? Yeah, this, that's a good point, Zeke. If you're not raising your hand, you're sinning right now because you're lying. Yes, it is. But, listen. God says, you've sinned, but I still want to use you. God said, Moses, you're a murderer. But he didn't write Moses off. He didn't say, Moses, you just lost your opportunity to be in relationship with me. In fact, God went out and got a murderer to come into relationship with him. You know how I know that? Because God said, hey, Moses, take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. God said, I know your past, but I'm calling you into a holy future. God knows your past. He knows that you've sinned. He knows that I've sinned. Guess what? Your parents have sinned. You can tell him I said that. My email address is Crane at northpoint.org. <laughs> but God says, that's okay. Because I still want to use you. And thankfully for us, later he sent his son Jesus to earth to pay the penalty of our sin so that we can step into that holy life with God forever in eternity. Just like Moses was called onto holy ground, we are called onto holy ground. Because Jesus died and rose again, conquering death, and then when he ascended and God's Holy Spirit came down and dwells among us, you guys think about this, Right now, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are with Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit among you, everywhere you go is holy ground. God says, you've sinned, but I make your path holy. I make your path right. I will cleanse the dirty things in your life. And I'm going to use you. Right? Exodus 3, verses 4 and 5, it says, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. And God says, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. This is an example of what God does for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He says, I see your sin. I see how you've messed up. And I want to forgive you and make it go away. Guys, we, we kicked off this vision thing uh, last week, and, and it was awesome. And we've got like four, it should be five, I think. Somebody, oh yeah, we have one that hasn't filled out their glasses yet. But, you know, we, we're going to be every week giving you guys the opportunity to respond to a relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that before, tonight's the night for you to just take the opportunity to say, Jesus, I've sinned and I need you 
but because of who you are and your life and death and resurrection, I receive your forgiveness. You guys get that? So maybe last week you were here and you saw people make a first-time decision to follow Jesus and, and maybe you were sitting in your seat and you felt your heart beating out of your chest and your legs felt heavy. You could feel your heart pounding in your skull and you felt like, stand up, stand up but you didn't do it. And you got nervous, you got scared. Maybe you weren't here last week or maybe since last week, whatever, maybe tonight. You're realizing that God has a call for your life. And the first thing that he's calling you to is to step out of your sin, step out of the death that comes from sin and step into life with him. Tonight, you're gonna have an opportunity to do just that. Don't let another week go by. Don't let another day go by. Don't let another hour go by. Walk in the truth and the calling that God has for your life. So I'm going to pray, and you'll have an opportunity to just pray along with me. And then, guys, we'll, I'll, I'll just walk off the stage. We'll head into a time of worship, but if you're making that decision tonight, there's going to be a couple leaders up near the front. Just walk up to them. I'll hang out up here too. Come find one of us to pray with. And then there's just a couple things we'll have you write down and you'll just say, like, hey, you know, my name is and I made the decision to do whatever tonight. But don't miss out on the opportunity to step into life that God has called you to. And then you'll have the opportunity to be used by him, to bring others to know him, to see him be glorified despite your past. Let tonight be the night that you decide that he's your future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you use us, even though we're a mess. God, in those moments that we feel like we're not good enough, we're not the one, remind us that just like Moses, you made our tongue. You made our life. You made our hands and our feet, and you've called us to be used by you. God, I pray that tonight we don't miss out on that opportunity. So as we're here, God, we, we just want to take a chance to say, God, I've sinned. I know that I'm a sinner. And God, tonight I'm choosing to say, God, I believe that your son Jesus came to earth as a man, but also God died on a cross and rose three days later, paying the price for my sin because of your love for me. God, I receive your forgiveness and I'm choosing to live my life for you. God, be with us tonight. I pray that if there's any students here that are 
feeling you tug on their heart that they wouldn't pull back. That they would let you pull them up and out of their seat to meet you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.